Hello everyone and welcome to Skills for Mars Transitions. Today I'm hosting Paul. He has been through incredible changes. He started off as an accountant, a job he didn't love, then he was a stay-at-home dad, and now he works into corporate coaching. Join us to hear how it feels to finally find what you're meant to do. If you want to continue receiving career support and inspiration, consider subscribing to the channel. Every week, someone will share their incredible transition. And now I give you Paul. Hello, Paul, and welcome to Skills for Mars Transitions. I'm very happy to be hosting you. Hi, Ulia. Yes, I'm very excited to have this conversation. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me. Would you be okay, Paul, to let everyone know who you are and the biggest changes you've been through in your career and your life? Wow. How much time do we have? <laughs> we have we have a decent amount of time, so. <laughs> um, absolutely. So, yeah, my name is Paul Gilbride, and I'm in um, St. Louis, Missouri, in the U.S., and wow, so a um, lot of transitions in my life, and they've really corresponded. My career transitions have very much corresponded with my life transitions. So I started out in finance as a CPA here in the U.S. So I worked for about 16 years in corporate America, about half of that in public accounting, and then I took that skill set and um, moved into industry where I was a controller for a company for a while, and then I did some consulting work. And then one of the bigger life changes um, after getting married was having a couple of kids. And when my kids were five and three, my wife and I kind of, we went out for dinner one night <laughs> and after a couple of martinis, which is when we made all our best decisions, we um, we kind of started talking about when I when we had our first kid. His name is Calvin. He's now twenty two. Um, would we, if we could flash forward to you know five years later, would we be happy with kind of the way we're running our family and how we're raising them? And and at the time, my my wife, my now ex wife, and I were um, we're both working pretty two pretty high demand jobs. And so we had someone who would take care of the kid, not so much a nanny, but she would cook meals for us and do a lot of the administrative family stuff. Um, but it just, we weren't happy with the way, the amount of time we were having with our kids. So I decided that I would take the bullet for the family and quit my job. And the goal was, Let's take about nine months, figure out how we're going to balance our careers and our family and, and do it in a way that's aligned with kind of what our values are. So I quit my job literally the next day, and the goal was to stay home for nine months. Well, after nine months, the I think the only criteria was, are the kids still alive? That <laughs> That makes it a success. <laughs> So they were still alive. So I inherited my second career, which was staying at home with my kids for then the next 10 to 12 years. But it was in that time then that as they got older, 
I started looking at, do I want to go back into the career I had? And I knew I wasn't doing what I was meant to do, whether you believe in God or the universe or whatever. Whoever put me on this earth did not put me on this earth to be an accountant. So, <laughs> so I, um, I hired a coach to help me figure out, you know, what, what do I want to be when I grow up? And after working with her for about a year, I realized that what she did was exactly what I wanted to do. It was perfect for my skill set. I've always been someone who loves to try to get the best out of other people and help them see the world in a different way and all, all the stuff a good coach does. So I got trained as a coach and I opened up my private practice when my kids were in their teens and um, then I got divorced and that pushed me into a new level of that transition in that I had to now build this business just to support myself because my wife was still kind of the, the sole breadwinner um, as I was starting my business. And so um, the divorce really pushed me into going full, full bore into um, coaching. And then my worlds collided. My, my corporate background collided with my coaching and that is kind of the niche I have now. I work with large corporations. I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one stuff with their leaders or um, their emerging leaders. But I also work with teams in corporate America, and it's just it's just been a natural fit. But it's been a long ride. And to consider how much time I put into accounting and finance in my life, at a time where I didn't even know what a coach was. I don't think there were coaches. I don't think there were coaches. <laughs> I think we called them mentors and it was more meant to give direction whether in, and you were already in a company. I, I, yeah. Exactly. Or psychologists, and, but. Yeah. And to think now that I have completely switched careers to something that I didn't even know existed when I was building my other career is actually kind of amazing. I think about it. So. So that's kind of my journey um, up until now. Paul, which one did it feel the hardest? Becoming a stay-at-home dad and taking care of your kids? And that is a full job? Yeah. <laughs> it's a full. Yeah. Or going into coaching afterwards? Easily staying home with my kids. Um, the going into coaching afterward... And, and it's because you asked which one was easier or hardest. The I love what I do. So everything I do with coaching, even building my practice, has been a joy for me. I mean, I just love doing it. So there's nothing, whether it's hard or easy, I guess, this really depends on the mindset you go into it. And I've never considered it anything other than this is why I was put on this earth. <laughs> So um, I may or may not have been put on this earth to be a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> I'll let my kids decide that. But that was much, much harder. What you know, it just the whole transition to, you know, being in the workforce and now relying on someone else to make the money for the family. So there's a lot of psychological stuff, and then it's just hard. You know, I don't have any background in raising kids, like like. Like none of us yeah. do. <laughs> um, so that was much, much more difficult. Yeah. May I ask you maybe a difficult question? Yeah. 
it's not very usual for men to choose to be stay-at-home dads. Yeah. It's more women that make the How was it hard for you? And then, as you said, you were not earning your bread anymore, right? Someone else was, was earning it for the whole family. How yeah. did you feel? You know, I think in general... It wasn't hard because I knew that I was doing it. There was a bigger picture. I was doing it for our family. I was really thinking about what does the family need? And my ex-wife was a very driven corporate professional and she did not want to stay at home. And, but we both knew that we needed to do something different. And so I knew, I think in my heart of hearts, I knew at the time I decided to quit to stay at home with my kids that I wasn't doing what I was meant to do. So that made it a little bit easier. But the hard part was having the faith that, okay, I'm going to get out of the workforce here and I'm just going to do what I think is the right thing to do for the family. And hopefully, this will all work out. <laughs> you know, I didn't have a plan of how the hell it was going to work out, but um, that was the hardest part. And then, like you said, yeah, the the stigma of being a stay-at-home dad, there's times that was an issue, but I have pretty thick skin and I've always been someone who kind of marches to my own, the beat of my own drummer. And so... I know at the end of the day, I have to do what makes sense for me and for my family. And so it, it wasn't that big. And I just kind of jumped in and embraced it like I do most, most things. So I got involved in their school. Most of my friends were moms. <laughs> you know, it just, I just tried to, you know, fit into the environment I was in and and take it from there. <laughs> uh, my personal story is kind of the same, right? My my dad was the the he's a, he's a sports coach, so he was mostly at home. So oh. um, he was always with us, and not my mom, <laughs> which honestly is very 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 nice. <laughs> it's as a kid, you have your dad with you all the time, no matter where you go. It's amazing. Yeah, I think my kids thought it was a pretty novel thing too, especially as they got older and realized there wasn't a lot of dads. <laughs> um, so, and it had its advantages. There's no doubt about it. And dads are a bit more easygoing. They're a bit more fun. My mother knows that. <laughs> she was all about math and everything else. My dad was more about playing and learning through doing stuff, which was very nice. Did you learn anything while you were while you were at home? Did you learn something that you say, yeah, I'll I'll always remember this and it will always stay with me and it's a skill that I will take on no matter what job I will do. Yeah, you know, it's that's such a great question and it's probably going to surprise you of what I say. What I learned was that I am just a character in my kids' lives, and I'm just a character in everybody else's lives other than my own. And that is really, to be able to let go of letting my kids make mistakes and, you know, do, and realize that I can't control and that even though they come from my DNA, they're not going to be like me. And letting go of all that stuff and realizing I'm just kind of a character in their life 
has really helped me as a coach too, because it's helped me keep that objectivity of, I, you know, people know what's best for them. And the best we can do, like as a coach or as a parent, is help them figure that out. And it can't, it's got to be on their terms, not ours. So I think my kids and, and raising my kids really taught me that. And I think it's a skill set that has really made me a successful coach. Nice to hear. Did you have a moment while you were raising your kids when you said, okay, this is it. Now I'm ready to let go and do something else. How long did that take before you hired a coach and before you started thinking about doing this? Yeah. Um, well, I think it started the moment I decided to hire a coach. Um, and then, and then there was a real kind of a come to Jesus moment for, for lack of a better term. Um, so when I hired a coach and, and I started going down the road of, geez, maybe I want to be a coach. I started researching programs to, to get certified and, I finally decided on a program and I remember the day I showed up, um, it was, I, it was in Chicago. There were about 40 people in my class and it was going to be a, like a year long program. Um, within the first hour, I knew I was exactly where I was supposed to be and that everything was going to be okay. And then that was like the moment where I really transitioned from being a stay-at-home dad back into, okay, this is what my future is right here. And that probably within that hour, it crystallized, you know, so clearly for me. It's always a happy moment, right? That's, it's always good to have that feeling of energy and relief at the same time when you know it, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I really like oh, this. Yeah. And I help people with that now because that very few people get to that place. Or I figured out that very few recognize it. So yeah. let's talk about it because I think that would help yeah. others as well. How do you recognize when you're in that moment where you really found what you like doing, what you're supposed to be doing, and you should know that that's the right path? How did it feel yeah. for you? It... It felt obvious, and and I think sometimes we discount the obvious. Um, and I think for someone who's transitioning careers, we have an advantage because if we feel like we're in a, our first career, if we feel just not like something's missing or when you find or kind of stumble onto what you think you're really passionate about, you now have the comparison of what it feels like to do something you're passionate about with what it feels like to, to not be. And that is very, very helpful. So in that hour, when I was that, that I talked about, it was the feeling of, I never felt like this when I was a CPA or doing work, you know, I always felt like, why am I even doing this? As opposed to in that hour, it was like, why haven't I been doing this all my life? So I, I think it's, you have to pay attention to the obvious because when I was in my old career and I see this with my clients now, it's so easy to get in our head and say, well, if I just, if I get with the right company or if I get with the right boss or with, 
you know, it's like we've we've already assumed we made the right career choice back when we were 18 or 19 or 20, which is pretty unrealistic to start with. And we don't even question then that there's another option. And that's why I say, pay attention to the obvious. Pay attention if you're not happy or there's something missing and just start doing the work to figure out what that is. And then when you realize, oh my God, I love this or I love doing this, pay attention to that because there's a reason you love doing it. Yeah, I think I think that reflection is something that people need to build and that skill to pay attention to what you start enjoying to do. That the fact that you're not waking up in the morning thinking, as you said, why am I doing this? And that you can put, no matter how much energy you put into it, it gives you more energy than it takes away. Yeah, absolutely. So for those maybe who want to follow a coaching career, what was the role that you took? And would you have chosen differently now if you... Oh, the so the path that I took to get... Um, so there's a, what I did was I did a lot of research. I want, there's a lot of programs out there and there's a lot that there, it's not a regulated industry. So the, the, the most, the closest we have to kind of a governing body is the International Coach Federation. And they have kind of always set the standard for what coaching is and how to get trained and what's important. So I wanted to go through a program that was licensed through them um, or certified through them. So I just did my research. I'm an extrovert, so um, I wanted to have some in-person time because some programs are all online. or And I just researched programs that had a nice mix of being in-person and also um, – doing some online work and I ended up getting trained through the in um, IPEC, which is called the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. Um, Fabulous program, really popular. Tons of people have gone through it. Um, I have no regrets on that at all because here's why. Whether I would have become a coach or not, it was a it was a self development program. I learned so much about myself just going through that that even if I hadn't become a coach, it would have been probably one of the better experiences I'd had in my life. So um, I it, I really have no regrets. And now I'm actually a mentor coach for a different program um, at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and um, that's of unbelievable program as well. So um, there's a lot of avenues you can take and I have no regrets um, with the avenue I took. Um, How many years did it take you to get to a professional level where you felt secure and safe with how you're helping and how you're supporting others through coaching? It took a good three or four years to build confidence. Um, You know, I think it's like anything else. It's a skill as much as I knew I had some natural ability, you know, it's a skill you have to develop. The more you do it, you know, the more comfortable you get. And um, so I think it took at least three to four years as I built up my 
practice and got more feedback and got more confidence. Um, and I think that's heavily dependent on how much coaching you do. It's like anything else. If you, if you're a golfer and you only golf once a week, you're only going to get a certain, <laughs> you know, a certain, um, level. But if you're out there once a day or twice a day, you can build confidence up a lot quicker. So. Was it hard because learning coaching and doing what you love is one, but building a a business in coaching is a bit different, yeah. right? Uh, you have to start redoing accounting, <laughs> uh-huh. which you already knew, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you also need to start selling, uh, maybe building websites, being online and all of that. Was there any challenging part? Yes. And, and, it, and that is still a challenge because one thing I've learned is I'm not... I don't, I'm good at accounting. Obviously I made a career out of it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't want to do it. So what I've learned is the stuff I don't like and what I'm not good at. And that is a constant learning process because I built my business a lot on networking and then doing a really, really, really good job for the people that and the companies that I worked for, and I've built most of my business through referral. Um, I've reevaluated kind of just other avenues that I think I should probably, you know, make more of an effort in. And the COVID nineteen has actually pushed me to do that. I mean, it's. It, I think like a lot of people. It, people have reevaluated their life or their career, I think, um, as part of this. And I reevaluated my business plan and, and said, you know, they're, I'm playing a little too small. There's, there's other things I can do. And I realized that the things I wasn't doing around marketing and, and sales, and it's because I'm not, they're, I'm not naturally good at it. And so, yeah, it is very, very hard. Um, because you want to just do what you love to do. And that is coach or work with, you know, companies or teams, but you can't do it unless you have people to work with. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's very hard. Did you also have to make a shift right now? Cause you said you are an extrovert and you like to do this face to face. Were you doing coaching mostly face to face or are you already doing it remote? No, actually almost like 99% of my clients are remote. So I live in St. Louis. I don't have any St. Louis clients. My clients are all over the United States and I have a couple in the UK. Um, and so we either do Zoom or, or most of it is phone calls. Sometimes I will have people that want to meet me in person. So I'll go out and do, you know, our initial especially if it's a higher up leader. And then maybe once a quarter, I'll go out there wherever they are and, you know, we'll, we'll have a session in person, but that's, what's cool about this profession is the people who see the benefit in coaching and use coaches are very willing to do it remotely. Um, as long as the, as long as you're good at building a rapport with them. So that hasn't, that's actually been a huge advantage. Because I could pick up and move anywhere, yeah. and it wouldn't affect my practice. That's uh, that's uh, that's really nice. And then you didn't have to go through this shift right now, having to do it remotely versus versus. I know there are coaches yeah. that prefer. Do you have any 
other change planned for the future? <laughs> I think the key word there is planned, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I do. I um, My business is evolving. And so I, for a lot, the longest time I was happy with just being a one man show. And I think I'm ready to change my business and start bringing in more people and do more partnering and whether that's hiring employees or, um, or just doing more collaboration. I just feel like I've evolved to a point where there's more I can do and there's more people that I can have an impact on. And so, um, so the change for me would be just growth and, and growth beyond just me personally is what I'm really focusing on. That will be, that will be a totally different challenge, right? Hiring people and doing it. Uh, oh. um, <laughs> but it's nice yes. as well. <laughs> I have a, I have a few friends I, who do this. Yeah. As a, as a business, yeah. not just those that who transitions already and it's not easy. No, it's not, which is probably why I've delayed it for this long. <laughs> it's nice to be responsible just for yourself. It's a bit easier. Much. <laughs> a lot less. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I'm good at beating myself up if I make a mistake. So, <laughs> uh, Paul, if you are to look back, you've had really amazing changes uh, in, in your life. What would be your reflection and the top, I don't know, three lessons that you would like to share? Something that stays with you and should stay with others as well. Yeah. I think one is to listen to, like I said, listen to the obvious. What is the, what's the universe telling you right now that you're not listening to? Because we all can go back at times in our life right now and say, wow, had I never made that change, you know, I never would be where I am now. And yet we realize at the time we fought that change probably much longer than we had to. So I always feel like listen to what is going on and listen to the obvious. And so I always ask my clients that question, you know, what's the universe telling you right now that you're not listening to? Um, I think the other thing is question everything you believe about yourself and the world all the time, because you, what you have to realize is when we were growing up at, at our most developmental stage, a lot of our ideas on what life is or who we are or what the world is were formulated by the people who had a huge impact in our life. And it's not, that they were doing anything bad or they were doing the best they can and they see the world a certain way. And, but it, it heavily forms where we are by the time we're 25. And I think start the process of just questioning what you think, you know, about yourself and about the world. And because there is a lot of things that you probably believe about the world or yourself that are keeping you from, finding kind of what your true passion is or um so the, i to me those are the two fundamental you know we we have to get the best out of ourselves to be happy and to make the people around us happy 
and that starts with kind of looking internal. Definitely. Yeah. Well, is there something I should have asked and I didn't ask you and you would like to share with everyone about? Wow, that's a good question. You should be a coach, Julia. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Let me think here. Um, What should you have asked me? Um, I think, do I, I, do I have any regrets or do I ever think why think of where I could have been as a coach or in my business had I done this 15 years ago instead of, you know, because a lot of people go down that road and I would say no, absolutely not. I'm a firm believer in everything that happened to me up until the decision the day I decided to become a coach had to happen, you know, for me to get there. And for, and, and then the days I wake up now where I love what I'm doing and I can pop out of bed because I'm doing what I love. I don't think I could have got here had all the other things in my life happened the way they happened. So my, you know, I think, you know, asking me whether I had any regrets about the whole process is probably something I expected to hear um, because I hear it from clients all the time. Why didn't I do this earlier? And, you know, that's a path to nowhere, quite frankly. Yeah. And it's uh, not necessarily the coaching uh, way of uh, thinking forward rather than backward. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Paul, thank you very, very much for sharing your story, sharing in transition. and. Oh, this was awesome. I really, really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Thanks as well.